Welcome to Propel, a podcast by Fellowship Pacific to propel you and your church forward in the mission God has for you. I'm your host, Jessica Powell, and today we are finishing off our second season of the podcast with a conversation about our constant need for more leaders in our churches and ministries and how we can be intentional about building a culture of leadership development where we are consistently identifying, developing, and inspiring new leaders to carry out this big mission God has given us. So to talk about that, Elizabeth Faulkner from our leadership development team sat down with Steve Eidelman, executive pastor at Central Baptist Church in Victoria, and Ben Kerlick, Youth and Young Adults Director at Southridge Fellowship, to hear about their journeys and wins in leadership development and building a culture of leader multiplication. So let's get to it. Here's Elizabeth's conversation with Steve and Ben. Welcome to the Propel podcast. I'm Elizabeth Faulkner, and I'm here today with Ben Kerlick and Steve Eidelman. And really happy to be here with them today to talk about leadership wins. And today we're going to talk about leader wins and leadership development that help develop a leadership development culture. And I thought it would be good to have a conversation about this because of how many conversations I've had over the last several months with leaders who are making leadership development a priority right now, whether it's with staff or with volunteer leaders. And that's been surprising to me in the middle of COVID. Um, And it's also been top of mind lately for me because when COVID hit and I had a few months of working at home, I had the opportunity to think through some ideas that I had had brewing for a while around a new resource that we are going to be offering churches called the Leader Culture Framework, which is really a workshop all about um, setting the groundwork for, for a culture shift around leadership development. So that's kind of where this topic has come from. And I'm excited about what churches are doing in this area and excited about the future of where God is leading us and how he's helping us to grow in this area. So I'm so excited to have Steve and Ben here because I know these are two guys who have been rocking it in leadership development for a while. And so I'm really excited to hear about their journeys and about their wins in leadership development. So why don't we start off by getting to know you guys. Steve, do you want to start and introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks, Elizabeth. As you've already said, my name is Steve Edelman. And I've been at Central Baptist Church for about eight and a half years, and I'm currently the executive pastor. And so I'm the father of three daughters, and I've been trained as a youth pastor most of my life, but uh, now I have a teenage daughter. And so I am experiencing what I've been teaching everyone else, and so I guess I will figure out if I actually know what I'm doing. But I've, I've been married for 20 years. We just celebrated our 20th, and... Uh, I really enjoy my family. They are a huge blessing to me. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. I, I, we just celebrated our 20th anniversary as well. So congratulations on that. I think that's a great, that's an, I'm impressed with myself. So I'm impressed. <laughs> we made well. it 20 years. <laughs> we did. It's, it's awesome. And Ben, you're, you know, you're a ways away, I know, but you'll get there. So Ben, tell us about your, yourself. Yeah, my name is Ben, and I'm a part of a family of three uh, with my wife, Alicia, and our daughter, uh, who's turning three uh, at the end of next month. And uh, I've been at Southridge Fellowship Church here uh, just over five years, and I'm the Youth and Adults Director. Um, I 
play hockey and make coffee. That's those are the the big yes. things I like to do, as well as uh, yeah, just be with the fam and all that kind of stuff. Awesome, and it's great to have you here, Ben. I got had the privilege of working with Ben for his first couple of years at Southridge, so it's kind of cool to get to come together and have this conversation today. Um, so we're going to be talking about leadership wins and also a little bit about your journey as a leader, because I think um, our journeys help inform a little bit how we can help others um, develop as leaders. So the first thing I want to ask you is who first told you you were a leader? So who first kind of made you believe, I think that I'm a leader? Maybe Ben, you want to start us out with that? Uh, there's kind of like the, the first time would probably be uh, in like the sports world. So I was, I was a big sports guy growing up, still am. And um, that would be like hockey coaches, basketball coaches, identifying that and giving, you know, responsibility, whether it's assistant captain or captain of teams. And then in like a church or a spiritual context, that was, that was my youth pastor growing up where he gave, you know, again, identified leadership in me called that out but then also gave responsibility uh as well and so it was kind of the sports world was a little bit earlier because there's just more positions sometimes when you um just have teams and leadership within teams and then as i got older and there were more opportunities on the church side then that was where my youth pastor stepped in awesome what about you steve where were you when did you first kind of believe that yeah, I think for me, it was actually a peer. And I think it started way back when I was a child. And I think there's a correlation between just being the oldest child of four boys, which means I was naturally thrust into a leadership role. And I was always leading my brothers in different uh, directions. And so as my peers started to follow, um, I remember even just even at Camp Quanos, a peer saying, hey, Steve, I actually think that you have a role as a pastor. In fact, I think you would fit well at my dad's church. And so he just identified some giftings and he just watched me and observed me. And then also ended up recommending me. And so it was just a really cool thing to see a peer do that. That's cool. I don't, you don't hear that story as much about it being a peer. Cause I remember, I remember my first time really believing that was from a camp director as well. Not at Camp Quano, it's a different camp but where uh, the leader said, I think, Elizabeth, I think you're a leader. I think that God wants to, you, you, to use you to lead others. And isn't it interesting that many people's stories actually start when they're teenagers um, and somebody kind of notices that in them. And a lot of people's journeys kind of start that way, which is interesting, I think, to note. And I mean, we're only three people, but I think we've probably heard that story over and over again, where people first um, actually have somebody speak into their life at that kind of um, transition um, in their life. So it's interesting. So just transitioning to that, because I think that's a, I think that's a win when, when you can, when you identify somebody sees something in you that says you're a leader and they say, Hey, I think you're a leader. And that person believes it and takes it to heart and it helps them on their journey. So I'm wondering where have you seen wins in identifying leaders in your church or in your ministry? Steve, you wanna start us with that one? 
Yeah, it, it's a great question. And I, I think for myself is I'm ar- always observing different people. And so as they're serving or as we're having conversations, maybe it's even going out for coffee. Uh, I'm just listening and just seeing what they're uh, passionate about, uh, what drives them. Um, but also I'm, I'm looking for things like character and calling and chemistry and competency and just trying to see where they would fit on the team. And so I think the most important one for me that I'm actually looking for is character. You know, are they humble or are they just bragging about themselves or um, are they really the person that um, inside and outside are, are they flourishing in their marriage or in their singleness? Are they solid in their sense of self? Um, and so when I even challenge them, how are they disagreeing with me? Uh, like, like what's kind of going on in that? And so yeah, I just want to make sure that I'm not giving someone leadership who could become toxic or um, someone who uh, is not living out what they believe. And so, yes, we're all in progress, but uh, I, I'm really looking for someone who is trying to progress towards Jesus. And if they're doing that, man, I want to give them leadership and help them grow and become the person that God's called them to be. And so I think that's kind of the wins that I've seen is when that um, is given, they, they run with it. And I also want to guard um, leadership. We just don't want to hand that out to anyone. And so those are the things that I'm paying attention to. Yeah, that's interesting uh, what you say about character, right? Because I always think it's kind of an assumption in my mind that if someone, if you have a leader who you're giving responsibility in the church, that they're going to have that character, that they're a disciple and they're actually taking next steps on their journey. So it's interesting thinking through when you um, identify people, right? Because as you said, people are at different parts of that journey. And so when do you give that um, chance to them? But I like, I like how you say you're always kind of looking and evaluating and trying to seek that out in people. That's really cool. What about you, Ben? When, what are some wins that you've seen in that? Yeah, and just like identifying people, I think one of the, the main things, uh, like you said, Steve, is just being in proximity with people, mm-hmm. like um, having time and space where you can get to know their, them, who they are. And that often is yeah, in, in a formal setting, but I find it's, you know, most often takes place in an informal setting where there isn't really an agenda or any like specific you know, questions or anything like that, but you just get real life uh, with people. And I think this, you know, takes place specifically when uh, I just get to spend time with um, students within my ministry or in uh, my young adults ministry, where I get to see how people just play out in their personalities and how group dynamics work and who kind of rises to the top of different things and takes charge when there is nobody to take charge. Um, And this is really bred into like one of the strongest like um, leader identification um, spaces is in our junior high ministry where most of the leaders are senior high students who are kind of being identified maybe for the first time or being affirmed into a more significant leadership, mentorship, shepherding type of role. And often those leaders are, you know, are identified out of small groups with very good leaders themselves. And so um, often my strongest new leaders come out of groups with my strongest existing leaders. And so that's kind of like a cascading effect of 
identifying and not that I don't see or find people in, in other spaces, but that's where like, there's almost these hot zones mm -hmm. of, of new leaders coming because of the leaders who have been over them before. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? It's like, I, it's like good leaders attract good leaders. Mm -hmm. Right. And when, so when you, when you raise that bar of leadership, whether it's in a small group, whether it's in your church or wherever, I always, I think it always, it attracts more leaders. And so that's why um, this conversation is so good because it reminds us, right? Okay, when I actually help a leader get better, it actually attracts more leaders and helps propel that leadership development culture forward. And anyways, it's so interesting what you, how you both mentioned that proximity though, right? Like you just, you gotta be in people's lives. You gotta have them involved to be able to notice these things in them. Um, so interesting. The other thing, inter other interesting thing about leadership development, development when I talk to people is that most people um, have, have had to fail in some way to become the leader that they are. Unfortunately, I don't know about you. I hate failure. I hate messing up or not doing well on something. Um, but it's interesting that most leaders have to stretch in some way in order to grow significantly. So I'm wondering, can you tell us a story maybe about one experience, in, experience you've had where you've had to stretch but that's actually helped you grow as a leader. Ben, you want to start us with that one? Um, the first, the most prominent thing that comes to mind is actually in my in my hockey experience. Um, I've been uh, the the manager, the captain of this men's team for a close, getting up to like eight or nine years now, and um, there's a very tumultuous time in kind of our team's history about four or five years ago where um, just the makeup of the team we we didn't have any chemistry there were some some people that you know brought us down more than uh, we brought up were brought up and, and one of those people um, was somebody that I you know was very passionate about our team and very passionate about hockey but um, didn't know how to express that very well. And, and one of the things that kind of came to a point where there was some very, um, you know, unfortunate things that were said and done over the course of a season. And our team was actually on the brink of being kicked out of our league because of some of the characters that we had and some of the things that happened. And, and for me, being a part of the leadership of that team at the time, it was really just demoralizing that, that, I, that I kind of represented the leadership of something like that. And, um, and so that was kind of a really stretching experience where I had to, for the kind of the first time, had to advocate for something that had failed um, to say that it wouldn't be the same again. That's kind of like the first time that it ever really happened to me, um, where it's like, no, like, give me, give me a second chance. Like, I guess when, it, when other people, when I'm responsible for other people. And one of the things was this one player um, you know, I had to kind of go to bat for him uh, to, to keep, he was one of the, the stipulations was, okay, you can come back, just you can't have him. And um, kind of having, making this decision to vouch for him to kind of make him my responsibility. And, you know, five years later, he's one of my assistant captains at, at any point, if I were to 
um, step down or take a break or move away or whatever, um, he, this team of, of men is in very capable and very good hands because of him. Um, and because of that experience, that stretching experience where he had, we both kind of had to look in the mirror like, okay, what are we doing here? How have we acted? Where are we taking these people? And how are we exemplifying, you know, the Jesus that we follow among these people? And so that was a very stretching experience that has brought, you know, other things and learned new lessons that have affected my ministry as well. Isn't that interesting? I like what you said there, Ben, about having to look in the mirror. And I think that is yeah. what stretching experiences do for us. It causes us to have a really good, honest look at ourselves and see where God wants to grow us and change us. That's cool. What about you, Steve? Do you have a story about that? Yeah, I was trying to identify one failure. I have so many. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? Yeah, Ben, uh, you were really good at that. You're one failure. <laughs> but I... I one specific area yeah, yeah, that, I was know, I big, know. that was the big one okay steve choose one <laughs> i think i was uh the one that stands out to me is honestly is just working too much and just being so focused on the goal and the purpose and you know giving it my all and just making sure that i do a great job but then having the hard conversation when you come home um, with your wife and she's like hey i'm here too and uh <laughs> You need to also lead at home. And just when I was young in ministry, just realizing that if I'm not leading my family, that everything else is meaningless. And so just having that realization that, yes, ministry is going well. Kids are coming to Christ. You know, leaders are being developed. Disciples are being made. But yet your wife is longing for you to lead her. That's a problem. And so just, yeah recognizing that I had to have those difficult conversations and, and change some priorities in life. Um, I think it was a, a very healthy thing to do as a young leader and just, just be uh, more self-aware of, you know, what are you driving towards and who's with you? And if your family's not with you, that is a major problem. So I definitely learned that. Yeah. Isn't, it's just, it's so interesting, right? How it sometimes takes somebody else in our lives to point out those areas where we're really, not thriving um and yeah so interesting ben you said look in the mirror steve you're like i needed some more self-awareness in this in this um situation and i think as leaders we all um, need to go through those experiences but i i think also as a leader of others we also um we can help others by helping them stretch, right? And giving them, giving them um, opportunities to do more than they've done before or more than they think they're even able to. Um, and so I wonder, do you have a, how have you seen stretch, like stretching experiences really propel another leader forward? Maybe how have you helped another leader grow by giving them a stretching kind of experience? Ben, you wanna start us with that? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, in one sense, it's related to the, to the hockey situation that I shared with you before, where, you know, giving, it, when, when it's in a situation where somebody has kind of almost di disqualified themselves, or at least been in that call conversation of like, maybe this isn't right for them, or maybe um, 
we'll find some other options because of a past experience. I think not that this happens every day, but um, to to give people another chance, um, I think is is a stretching experience in and of itself. And then just allowing people to um, be invited into something that either they think is out of their league or that other people have said is out of their league. And in, in, in this case with, with this friend of mine, like he was told, this is, this is not for you. You're not going to amount to this. And, and um, me inviting them into that. I think um, there's, there's also uh, maybe stretching experience that, that are, yeah, that are created where, whether it's, you know, attending, you know, uh, yeah, just a, a conference or a, a meeting mm-hmm. or a, a camp or going, um, you know, one of the thing, the other things for me was doing a kind of faith-based gap year type of thing because I didn't really know what I was doing or where I was going and, and essentially like setting aside myself and my time and, you know, pressing pause on my ambition for my life to be stretched in and of itself. And, and I've seen, you know, some of my, some of my students and leaders make those kinds of decisions that like, okay, yeah, I have, I have, you know, certain things to get done. I have school to attend and jobs to figure out and careers to find, but I'm going to stop and stretch myself first mm. before I go into those kinds of things. And I've seen that with people and also in my own life as well. Oh, interesting. What about you, Steve? What can you add to that? Yeah, I think in life, there's many changes and, you know, changes in ministry, changes in church. And I think those are some opportunities in which you can raise up a new leader. And I, I think it's, it's when you give them the vision and they don't even have it themselves in which they can step into something and, and grow and try new things and fail forward. Um, I think those are the types of things that I've seen leaders really be stretched. And I think even the church is a bit like an, a spooked elephant at times is when you do that. They don't know what's going to happen and they're all waiting for something to go wrong. But then just being that steady leader beside them and helping them and constantly guiding them, I think has worked really well. And I just want to keep encouraging leaders in the process is that if you are faithful with very little, you know, God will give you a lot more. And so there's times in which leaders are discouraged when they're being stretched because it's hard and they're learning on the job that I just keep reminding them that, hey, I was there too, um, that we can all fail together, but let's just keep at striving for the goal. And so I've just seen leaders grow through the process where they're doing new things and stretching and um, learning on the job. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, that role of encouragement when people fail, right? Ben, you're mentioning your friend and Steve, you as well, and just helping people see a bigger vision for things and encouraging them through that idea of failing forward. Um, Yeah, it can be really difficult, but how does that failure help them move forward? But often that's hard for leaders to do on their own. They often need somebody beside them, right? Encouraging them and helping them and I mean, that's why I think we all talk probably so much about mentoring and the importance of 
of mentoring in people's lives because it's often in that life on life experience that we gain the encouragement when we do fail. And we can actually accept the encouragement when uh, failure comes as it inevitably will um, for all of us. So I wonder, because I do think mentoring and that stretching for stretching to really um, make a difference, we often need others beside us, walking beside us and helping us. I'm wondering, have you had any significant people in your life who really mentored you and walked beside you through those failures and also through helping you get better? So who are those people in your life or one person in your life who's really made a difference in that way, Steve? Yeah, I would say the last two lead pastors at Central have been fantastic. And I think one of the things that I really appreciated was just transparency, mm-hmm. that they told me the truth, even when it hurt, but I knew that they were for me. I knew that they wanted me to succeed. And I think a lot of times in our culture, we don't tell people the truth. We kind of skirt it and you know, we're, we're worried about hurting someone's feelings. But really, if you want someone to grow they need to hear the truth. And I, I also think there is a, a lot of encouragement behind the scenes that I, I knew that they believed uh, that I would do a good job. And so they gave me more responsibility as I grew. And um, I think that was also very life-giving, but there was also a lot of clarity um, around what was expected. And so um, as I was leading, I would also give clarity because I, it was clear with me what I needed to do. Therefore, I was clear with my leaders. And so that's something that I think really helped mentor me and something that I want to continue to do. Oh, very cool. What about you, Ben? You had a mentor in a similar way? Um, they've kind of been all over the place. Um, men- mentoring has actually just been something that's been more difficult, I think, in my life over the course of um, you know, my teenage years and even in my young adult years, uh, coming from a smaller church and kind of being the oldest in a larger group of people. Um, it was more so, you know, Ben, Ben's good. He's, you know, figuring his stuff out and let's focus on the people that are younger than him. And so I didn't always uh, receive that, you know, kind of textbook mentorship relationship that, um, you know, that I'm trying to create for a lot of the people that are, that are in my ministries. Um, but over the course of time, like my youth pastor, um, there was a, uh, there was a significant, um, relationship with just another man in our, in my previous church that, you know, we were on a men's retreat and we both kind of heard the voice of God to, to start doing life together. Uh, it was a really special moment, somebody I care about a lot. Um, but then over the course of the last kind of five, six years, it's been the, the previous youth pastor here, uh, as well as um, there, there's a, a lead pastor in Vancouver that over kind of leads a group of us in a regional kind of way, um, regional set of youth pastors over the course of, over the, the region of cities in the lower mainland. Um, and he has been a very, uh, specific influence in, in the last kind of two, three years of my life and ministry and marriage and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Interesting. And it's interesting how much um, in mentoring relationships, we value that truth telling. I think that, I think Ben, you've experienced and Steve, you've mentioned um, 
So I, I just wanted to follow up on that a little bit. Like how, how do you tell the truth in a mentoring relationship and, and still have that feeling that someone is for you? Because I, I think that's a really hard one. I, I don't know, Steve, do you have something to add about that? Yeah, I think it's how you do it. And, um, you know, everyone does the sandwich, you know, make sure you encourage, then tell the truth, then encourage. But I think it goes much deeper than that. I think for me, it's it's what happens outside of the meeting too, um, that there's relationship, there's intentionality, and they know that I love them. And I, I try to show that in different ways. And at the end of the conversation, we may be even joking about everything in life um, and sharing life together in other ways. And so I think that's that's how I tell the truth is that they, they also respect me because they know they're going to get the truth. And so I think that's uh, part of what I just want to weave into my relationships is that I want to love people to death, but also tell them, them the truth. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I just think that's a really, yeah, it's an interesting, difficult balance to, to walk. I want, Ben, do you have anything to add about that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, along the same lines, yeah. like relational equity is, is kind of what you, what you need in those moments or else you just drive people away. If all you tell them is the truth or you don't know them super well. Um, and, and sometimes relational equity is, is bought by authority that you have, but that's not always seen by people. Um, at least in our culture, there isn't this like mutual, like, you know, culture-wide submission to somebody who has pastor in front of their title or whatever. Um, so it's often that relational equity. And, and that's where it's hard to actually, um, it, there's a lot of pressure on, on myself and other leaders to continue to, um, create that or, or create experiences with that and, and not that it's like a striving thing but that's something that you have to you have to make sure as a part of your rhythm and life in person that um that people trust you that they know you and you know them and like you said steve like the the encouragement the the outside of the meeting or outside of that specific hard conversation that um it's not always hard conversations and um and so, yeah, I think that just that relational equity is huge. Yeah, and isn't it interesting that you can't program that, right? You can't no. program that kind of relationship. You, you kind of have to live it. And it's interesting when I talk to different people about mentoring, it's often that they want to create some kind of program to get mentoring happening. And sometimes that works, but I don't know. I find that a lot of times that kind of, we can't program those kind of life-on-life -life relationships. So I, I'm just wondering, what are some ways that you have seen mentoring succeed in your church and ministry? Because um, I know, I know Ben, that you are very good at mentoring and inspiring mentoring. I've seen, I've seen you do this. And Steve, I know that this is a big part of your church through Immerse and through other avenues. So I'm wondering. How have you seen that succeed? What, what makes men, how do you help mentoring happen? Ben, you want to tackle that one first? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the, I think often mentoring is, is, is mostly involved in the extra mile beyond what is already present. Like, you know, like you said, it, it's not, it's often not a program or not accomplished by a, a program. And so when you have a youth ministry or a young adults ministry or a church ministry or, 
or men's, women's, whatever other segments of things, or just the entire church in general, you have your schedule, the things you want to accomplish in those events. And those, those things that we set up that make up our programs are very important and they have high value and, and many things are accomplished in those times. But I think that mentoring comes in the moments outside of the things that everybody's already a part of. Um, it's when people, you know, have spent more time than what is expected. It's the, you know, when everything is done, uh, finished and cleaned up on a youth night and people are just hanging out a little bit longer to be together and to have maybe uh, an, an in, um, intentional conversation or um, those kinds of things. And I find that when, you know, leaders within my ministry or myself in different seasons and times, when I'm unwilling or uh, neglectful of that extra mile or that, you know, kind of bonus time with people, then that's when mentoring starts to suffer because then all I have is the program time that is, you know, an expected has its own kind of goals in and of itself. Um, and uh, that relational equity isn't raised up, you know, those, you know, those truth telling conversations don't often happen within, you know, a youth night or, you know, a church service on a Sunday morning, it's those outside times. And so I think that's one of the things is that mentoring is often the, the extra mile and my leaders who are good at that are very successful and they create more people who are mentors and want to be mentors when they give that time within their means, obviously. Yeah, it's interesting, huh? It's kind of like that um, good leaders attract good leaders and it's mentored people, mentor people, right? Because they have seen the success of that. It's interesting. Steve, what about you? Yeah. Um... Just to build off what Ben is saying, he said a lot of the same things, but I think just creating that uh, culture in your church and talking about it a lot from the front and behind the scenes where people are intentionally meeting with other people. And I think for me, just having a regular meeting, even a weekly meeting where you're rubbing shoulders and you can ask, you know, the question, how are you really doing? Um, and just kind of get... <laughs> a little bit below the surface um, and, and just speaking into that person's life. And so I think as we do that, I think we need to train uh, and multiply that kind of culture. And so I think a lot of times if we don't have, let's say even a pathway in which, you know, people that want to be mentored um, can sign up and be part of that relationship um, I think that is something that churches need to look at so that you can create that culture so that you can continually multiply leaders and disciples. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You said it create a pathway. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think, and I think that's what's, that's what's hard about mentoring is that it can both be organic and planned. And so somehow we have to be intentional about that creating those life on life experiences, but also look be on the lookout for where God is orchestrating things and um, pursue those things. And um, yeah, so I love what you both said about that. And, and really that comes down to creating a culture for leadership development. And, um, and I wonder what, do you have any other advice to give us 
um, about creating a leadership culture in, in your church? Because I know that both of you come from churches with good leadership development cultures. And I'm so I'm wondering what other, we've talked about the importance of identifying leaders, stretching leaders, mentoring leaders. What else do you think is important of developing that culture? Steve, you wanna start us out? Yeah, I think it starts with even just defining what that culture is. And so we've been working on that lately and just creating like the core values and all that kind of stuff. And so because what we value will determine what we're doing. And so um, we want to align our actions with our values. And so um, it's just messaging that across the church, whether you write it on the wall, whether you have it a part of your announcements, whatever it is, is that we're constantly dripping uh, what it means to be part of Central Baptist Church. And then also just training people. Um, we're being very intentional about training leaders at all levels from children's ministry, youth group, all the way up to the board um, so that we want to create again that culture in which we are training and multiplying good leaders. And so um, without doing that, then we won't multiply. And so the end goal is to multiply leaders and we want to reproduce disciples and we want to eventually reproduce churches and leaders and fulfill the great commission. So that's really what we're trying to do. And that starts with what do we value and, and creating that culture around all those things. Yeah, interesting how those small things that we do get bigger. And uh, I mean, I live in the world where I talk to churches all across BC, and we think about how are we going to develop leaders for our churches that are across BC and Yukon. And you know, it starts with individual churches taking that seriously to multiply leaders. And that creates leaders for your own church, for new churches, and for the churches to keep our churches healthy across our province. So Anyways, exciting. I'm going off track, but exciting to hear you say that, Steve. Uh, I'm the one going off track now. Um, that's okay. That gets me excited. And I hope that excites you and our listeners as well, that we would work together to multiply leaders that, that we need to propel our mission forward. So it's exciting. Ben, what about you? What are, what are some other aspects you think are important to leadership development? Um. There's kind of like three more, th I'm sure there's many more, I'm sure, okay. but three more things that are kind of around in my head. Uh, I think going off of something you said, Steve, earlier, where you kind of came and uh, were, um, had this looking in the mirror kind of moment, I think it's so important when you know parents identify themselves as the leaders of their families and of their households, like that is your primary first leadership you know model that you follow after and, and in in the course of the last couple of years of doing a lot of like self-reflection and learning about who I am and why I am that way like I see so much of myself um, out of who my parents are who they've been over the course of my life and so I think um, when parents are leaders when parents are good leaders they will create good leaders grandparents etc uh, and I think that's just like fulfilling in, in part, like the call to, you know, generations in Psalm 145 to commend the works and the acts and the deeds of God to another generation. And I think that in leadership that comes in the same way. Um, and, the same, and, and on top of that, I think uh, as much as we, uh, you know, train people uh, and we've talked so much 
about proximity in, in this conversation already. Um, I was reading in Titus chapter two, uh, basically the whole chapter, it's this kind of commending of, of older women, younger women, older men, younger men. And there's, there's um, all of the, the attributes that they, they ask them to have are all things that you can't teach. They're all character-based things. And, mm-hmm. and I think leadership is so often just caught, not taught, though um, there are very helpful things that we can teach people to make catching or um, allowing to be caught things uh, a little bit easier um, for people. Um, but it's so much um, just things that people see without you saying, think things that people see and um, exemplify or copy or make habits in their life that, that you just kind of ooze out. And the last thing, and, and this is kind of, it's a, it's a weird, maybe a weird thing to say is I think it's really important to make attractive leadership opportunities. Um, I think that there's, regardless of what it is, and I think what you said, Steve, before that, like, who is our church? Who are we? What are we trying to accomplish? What are our values? And every single leadership opportunity within your church, if those things are at the forefront, then it should, you know, be attractive because it is contributing to something it's going somewhere and when you have a, a direct vision then every single leadership opportunity has in you know it is it is attractive it's meaningful it's going to fill people up because of what it is that is being accomplished in the greater sense of serving coffee being a youth leader being on the board everybody's contributing to something and so I think that when there is a culture that is desirable, then it attracts people. And so, and we are often the curators of that culture. Yeah. And it's interesting how that mission is so important when to bringing along those good leaders, like people knowing that they're actually contributing to people knowing Christ, that they're leading others towards that mission. And often, if that's not the main reason why we um, develop leaders, then we're, we're kind of losing our way on things. And so I'm glad you both kind of brought up that vision, values, and really that mission of of sharing Christ. If we don't have that at the forefront, then we're probably not attracting the right leaders and we're not going towards what we really want. And so, oh, I just really appreciate everything that you both had to say about this. And um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited about the future. And I'm, you know, even in the midst of COVID, we can continue to develop leaders and, um, yeah, and even in the midst of COVID, we could do lots of things, but I, I'm just excited about how God is going to grow our leaders in our churches through this kind of difficult time. And I hope that each of us will continue to strive for that, to look for those people God is raising up and to develop them and pour into them and continue to build that culture in our churches. Um, Just to wrap up our conversation, a couple things we like to ask at the end of all our podcasts is first of all, where have you seen the importance of relationships in what you're doing right now? Um, And we ask this because our vision for Fellowship Pacific is to innovatively develop relationships and resources that propel every church forward in their gospel mandate. And so I'm curious, what 
where have you seen the importance of relationships and what you're doing right now? Ben, you want to start us with that? Um, obviously, in this time, uh, relationships have shifted. Um, and, you know, we talked a lot about proximity already. Um, but, and, and this idea of mentoring or, or leadership being going the extra mile, I think both of those things, proximity is hard to get. Mm -hmm. And so um, my relationships that I have um, have become few, uh, the, the, the deeper ones or the ones with opportunity to be deeper have become fewer, um, not because of anybody's fault, but the situation that we're in. And, but it requires me and others, um, you know, the opposite person um, to go that extra mile to, you know, strive and desire and make time to, um, to fulfill a relationship that would have been very easy to maintain tacking on after a church service or after a youth night or, you know, what, whatever the, the thing we, we used to be able to do with regularity in person um, has to be uh, found in, in other spaces, whether it's digitally or um, in person. And so I think that, you know, as far as the relationships that I've been in, the ones that I've been able to um, prioritize and fight for in that regard, uh, especially with in-person time have thrived the most. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's just, it's vital. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Steve? Yeah, I'd say next to Christ, relationships are everything in leadership. Mm -hmm. And where there's healthy leadership relationships, I think you're going to find healthy ministry. And so as Ben was saying, um, I think we need to learn to invest even deeper in a few relationships so that those can multiply and then reinvest in other uh, relationships. And I think it's just for, for me, it's just even finding the time to do that. It's kind of like put as the last priority at times, but it is one of the most important things that we can do for the kingdom. And I actually think it's the heart of the gospel. Um, mm -hmm. The heart of being a, a disciple maker is fostering that truth um, through relationship. And I think especially during COVID, there just seems to be so much disunity. But I just want to remind people that this is a time in which we can practice and live out the gospel and bring about unity. Um, because I think that is leadership. It's part of what we're called to do is to be reconcilers of the gospel. And so it's just been on my own heart as I've been leading at my own church when there's division and different perspectives and whether we should wear masks and not wear masks and the list goes on is that we need to remind ourselves what is the ultimate goal here. And that is to, um, yeah, to, to be ambassadors of the gospel and not let these things divide us. And so, yes, relationships are absolutely everything. It's the currency of leadership. And so, yeah, those are my, my thoughts. Well, with that, I think I'm going to leave our listeners with that wonderful last thought from Steve <laughs> to be reconcilers of the gospel and the importance of relationships in doing that. And I just want to thank you both for being part of this conversation and encouraging us to continue um, to pursue relationships and developing leaders. And yeah, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for listening to today's episode. It's hard to believe that season two has already come to a close, but here we are. 
already at the end of November. We will be back though with new episodes in the new year and we would love to hear from you on what you would like to see on the next season of Propel. There's a very short survey on the podcast page of our website and we'll put a link to it in the show notes. And we would be so grateful if you would take a couple minutes to fill that out for us. And although the podcast will be on pause, our team at the Fellowship Pacific Ministry Center is still working hard and ready to serve and support you any way that we can. To find out more about what resources we have available and to get in contact with us, visit our website at www.fedpacific.ca.